Hey, welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide here, just coming back from the holiday weekend, uh, going into my crazy busy schedule for the month of September. September's going to be hit or miss, man. I'm traveling like big time, uh, leaving on Thursday for a class, come home Monday, leaving Thursday again to go to the Precision Rifle Expo in Georgia, come home Monday. I get a couple days off and then I am off to uh, Alaska to do my final class and then we have the reunion slash alumni shoot. So September's pretty shot for me. Um, uh, Again, people are contacting me about different reviews and different things that I'm working on. It's it's just a, 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 a function of my travel schedule, the training schedule putting classes in at the last minute, like the Canadian class this week is a, one of the examples of last minute stuff. Uh, we're still working on that. Uh, I got things that I got going on with the site and some media stuff. Uh, you guys may have saw the, um, gun digest. I don't know if I talked about that. Um, we're on gun, we're with gun digest right now. We're doing articles for them. We've been doing articles for gun digest since March, I believe it was. So we've been in the magazine for a couple months they just announced it about two weeks ago, or maybe it was. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what the date uh, was, but they announced that I'm part of the the staff doing long-range articles for them. And I, I have another project I'm working on with them, uh, more in, in the book zone and different things like that. So uh, I, I've got that kind of stuff uh, that I'm doing, uh, prepping the classes. And in the classes, once I do th- this this September block of training, and then the, the, the Alaska class, I come back from Alaska and I have to do an overnight coming back. There is no day trip coming back from Alaska. So I get back on Tuesday from Alaska, which is like March 2nd, or not March, um, October 2nd. Then I'm going to be doing the last mile high class, which is uh, that uh, 5th, 6th, and 7th, I believe it is. Uh, for uh, October as well. And then after that, I'm going to be putting out my 2019 training schedule. As we've talked about, many of you have seen online, we've already announced the dates for Alaska for next year. Those are filling up fast already. We're, we're more than half full uh, on those dates. And so, um, you know, get, get in on that. And then we're going to do the mile high. I'm going to try to include more classes for mile high in and mix it up a little bit a, a, a little mix of some of the things that we're doing uh, there's been a lot of requests for us to do more down here in the lower 48 sort of similar to what I do w- with mark up up in Alaska and then um another thing uh, uh, that that week after for you guys in Alaska who are listening who may not be paying attention to the Facebook stuff, there is a competition, James Drayton and those guys are putting on that following week, so that 5th and 6th weekend uh, in October, there's a long-range match up in Alaska because they're starting to step up competition stuff for them now, uh, so you're starting to see that come together through all the students that we've had up there. I mean, they've got such a good core of people. And, and, you know, one of the things is, is there's been a lot of discussion um, on some of the stages and the things. And, and I like that, you know, these these discussions are moving forward, you know, and, and when nobody else is talking, we tend to, to talk and, and that that bothers some people. And, and that's 
that's a, a, a direction in the positive because eventually it does trickle down to some of the people. And I have noticed uh, discussions regarding, you know, how to get, how to make it easier for range officers for a PRS event, two day versus one day. And, and they're looking to solve the lack of range officer issue that they've run into. Um, and that's not just them. A, a lot of matches are running short on ROs. You know, there, there's very little uh, incentive for a guy to work an RO uh, or to travel, especially to go be an RO and, and not shoot a match. So they're trying to look at, you know, what what does it mean for somebody to maybe shoot something, shoot a match a day early, and there's pros and cons to that. And then there's discussion about, you know, I saw barricade discussion and, and got tagged a couple times in that barricade discussion about the height. Yeah, the, the, it was... Uh, here's the deal, man. I, I, Sean even they told me they walked. Sean walked up and said his girlfriend's this tall. He thinks she's short, and this was where her nose was. And let's put the barricade here. That ought to be good enough. And there was no rhyme or reason to it when you tried to bring up junior shooters, women shooters, myself. I have a vested interest in it because it's over my head, you know. And then to the point that I designed a barricade, two sided, one side tall, one side short. Let me kind of go into, because we're talking about stages and different things, and, and I'm going to bring this around to reticles as well, because there was some discussion, well, you got to have holdovers all the way through on the reticle for far stages, and part of it is stage description, man. This was the problem. Kneeling, standing, standing, kneeling. It's such a bullshit contrived. Barricades used to be sitting, kneeling, standing. Three shots sitting, three shots kneeling, Three shots standing. And at times we used to go down the other side to prone. So you go sitting, kneeling, standing. Well, you didn't have to pick which shelf you shot off of. You just had to do sitting, kneeling, standing. And by giving people an option and not saying you must shoot off of this 56-inch tall part right here, that's what created the problem. Okay, and the one it's 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 kneeling, standing, standing, kneeling. That's just the dumbest thing ever. You're doing the same thing tw twice. You know, you're just moving a little bit in between, and they're trying to move as less as possible. You know, a skill stage should be universal. It's a tiebreaker stage. It should be universal. It should not be dependent whether someone is short or tall. It should not be dependent on whether someone has a good tripod or a bad tripod. Or a big Uno bag or no Uno bag. You know what I mean? It should be something where the two people have shot this stage on a as best virtually equal standing. Given rifle and, you know, um, skill, it should be something where we go up, we do this the same way. And it's not a case of me out gaming or me reaching and you can't and me having to stand on a box and, and, you know, I've, I've seen it all where somebody says, well, so-and-so had a box. Yeah, not everybody does, okay? There, I have been to places where I've stood on a box and stood on a cart and stood on a crate and stood on a cooler, you know, stood on a chair at Gunworks. Uh, that's not the point. The point is that still takes extra time. You don't get the same amount of footing. It's different, okay? You can make a barricade to be universal and just say to somebody, a kneeling in a standing position, whichever one fits for you. If there's six different positions, they can pick two that fit them. 
that's the idea of a good stage. You know what I mean? That's the idea of thinking about this and not just repeating what somebody did because you think that that's how it should be. I mean, there, there was no thought put into the skill stages previously. It was, a, it was like, get this out of our way, do something. Okay, good enough. You know, we'll fix it tomorrow. And tomorrow never comes. It's always today. And, and that's where we are right now, that it's never changed. It's been this way for how long people have been complaining about it. But it depends where is your voice in that situation. Is it, is it, do you have a bigger megaphone or a smaller megaphone? In most cases, they're able to dismiss you because part of the, the argument was they told people to build this. Now people spent money and built it and they don't want it to, they didn't want to turn around and they don't want to turn around and say it was a bad idea from the start. We told you to build it. Now fix it because that's the problem is this, this, this universal or not even, it's not even universal. This equally sided barricade is, is ridiculous dumb okay it's ridiculous it doesn't help anybody it doesn't do anything um it's it's just a contrived stage that's a shortcut for people that have learned to manipulate it you know do a sitting kneeling standing we are tactical shooters are across the course people our positions are prone sitting kneeling standing in some variation of that because we're supported it's prone you know bipod rear bag Sitting, we support the front. Kneeling, same thing. Standing, same thing. We're supporting the front of the rifle. So the trick is to come up with stages that have a, a something involved skill-wise like that. That's, you know, I get it. The barricade was there to demonstrate supported positions. But if you're doing the same thing twice, you're, you're not really helping anybody. And, and especially, you know, it's the same target you know, with the same shots and, and it's just one side to the other. They're not doing shoot the left from the left side, the right from the right side, and it's not left, left, right, 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 left, left. It's just, you know, sitting or just kneeling, standing, standing, kneeling. It, it, it doesn't have any, any skill and mix-up in there other can you reach or can't you. You know, that's really what it comes down to in the, in the situations. Can, can you reach enough or, or can't you? Now, like uh, uh, talking with the reticle and stuff, I think the holdover reticles have too much stuff. Somebody said, well, they did a stage that was, you know, under time and you couldn't get enough shots off to do 8, 850, 9, 950, 1,000. Well, distance is supposed to give you time and opportunity. If you're doing a speed drill at 1,000 yards, I personally slow down and get the hits and not try to do it fast. I mean, not unless I know... You know, there's no wind in that. And, you know, what is the wind for these rifles? Because a lot of guys are in that, you know, 5.8 to 7.2 mils. So you're really not holding over a whole lot. And then it's a mil on top of a 900. So at 8, eight we'll say 8 is 5.2. 9 is 6.2. So you're holding one mil again. What's the wind going to be? Most are edge of plate. And then a 1,000 would be another mil over that. You know, maybe 1.2, depending on your how your rifle's slowing down. So it's it it it's right there under that reticle where I think it you need a little gap. And if I'm gonna hold, well, why not just dial it to an even number then? You know, okay, I, I gotta hold over. Where's a good point to hold over if I skip that little space? But 
Think about stages and how you're building these stages. Uh, you know, I have some of the books and, and one, one of the guys wanted to post and we're going to start posting it where some of their your favorite stages on Sniper's Hide where they're taking it out of the matchbooks. And one of the example I used, I had a, uh, I had a core here in the Rocket Out where it says stage time, two minutes to compete. Now, this is the other thing. It, it's funny. This was the 16, 2016. This is one of those things that kind of bugged me. And, and, and I like core. I like everything they do down there. But think, read this stage description. Stage time. Two minutes to complete stage one on day one. One minute and 50 seconds to complete on stage two. They knocked 10 seconds off and did the same thing twice. To me, that's, that's again, that's a little bit kind of lazy. You know what I mean? And I'm not pointing it to the specific, but I'm just saying... That's the thing that needs to be fixed. Or turn around and say, stage one, gear restriction. Stage two, no gear restriction. And see what the difference is. You know, but taking 10 seconds off, to me, doesn't really do much. And is part of the, the, you know, I tried to make the stages I did in all the matches sort of unique. I mean, people to this day, you know, hate it as much as you want. That 15, 2000, uh, Sniper's Hide Cup. You know, the match ran flawlessly. The stages were fun, and we tried to make them unique. Even though it was a field course, we did do prop stuff, and we did do different things, but we tried to make it as unique as possible. So that way there, you you were gaining something. You weren't doing the same. Like I said, if the solution for out of a 20-stage match, if 15 stages, if the solutions are the same... I don't see that as really helping promote and forward the cause. If your match doesn't change, I don't see that. That's where some matches do better than other matches is that stage design. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, other than if you're doing local stuff, your local would be your 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 research and development. Your nationals become your put into practice. And on a lot of these national matches, you got a year, a year to figure it out. A year to work on some really unique stages and to put something out where the, the competitor it, it can get some, you know, changing it by 10 seconds is, is a little bit rough. But, you know, and, and that's my thing. It's like, well, if we're going to just do, if, if we're going to call it a national two-day match and just do the same thing twice and knock 10 seconds off your time, uh, that's not, a, that's intent and spirit. And this is what we're talking about. In, yeah, match director's intent, spirit of the competition. That's why we harp on it so much. I, I, I'd rather see stages that move somebody out of their comfort zone a little bit, mix up the solutions, have it where you say, yes, here you can use this gear. No, here you can't. Here you can use a tripod. Here you can't. Here you can use as many bags as you can carry. Here you can't. You know, you get one or two. Um, I, I think a rear bag and one other bag is a good medium zone to put it. You know, whether that's a game changer or a puff pillow, and you can mix that up. If your rear bag is going to be the game changer, like I used the um, the the Saracen, not the Saracen, but the Comanche, Warhorse Development Comanche. When we did the field stage side at Gunworks, I had that smaller bag, not the big Saracen, but the Comanche. I used it as a rear bag a lot of times when I didn't need it. At, at you know, there there was a, a shoot from the rock right here. Okay, I used this the, the the Comanche. 
I shot and balanced it off because I didn't have rear support because you're on the edge of the rock. Now you moved into the middle and you can use a bipod. Well, that Comanche then became a rear bag. Okay, bipod goes up a little higher because the Comanche is a little thicker, becomes a rear bag. I could shoot the stages with one bag. Okay, now me saying a rear bag and then a other bag to me is a good medium because you're not going to carry four bags on you. You might carry one puff pillow. They're really light. You can clip it to your gear. It's you don't you don't know it's there. Then you got a anywhere from three to seven pound game changer style bag. Okay, so you got that weight. That's a lot of weight for people who have to move around. If you talk to anybody who walks up and down the mountains like we do out here, that's a ton of weight for one item. So you need to find dual use things for it. You know what I mean? Like. What I've taken to doing is anytime I'm traveling now, I use the air-filled bags, cross-tech, tab, and bags like that. Cross-tech has a huge assortment of rear bags that are air-filled. Almost every bag you can buy with sand in it or whatever medium they put to, to you know in the middle versus an air-filled one. I'll take one air, a puff, and then that uh, warhorse, you know, so... Or game changer. It could be the little one. They have the, the minis, the mini fortune cookies, the, the the smaller ones. You know, there's the pint, I think they call it. It's got a, a, a different name. But something like that because I'm traveling. And those accomplish quite a bit. So if you limit things in that way, and if you look at a stage and say to yourself, well, given unlimited resources, how would I do it? Well, most people, you'd skip it in a way, shoot off a tripod. You know, so think of it in that terms where, okay, you know, building the, the building the, the position on the clock. That's a big one we talked about. That helps separate good gear from bad gear. How well can you deploy it? You know what I mean? Is it is it the, the, the lever locks on a tripod a little bit better than the, the turning locks, you know, the, the, the half quarter turns? So there's there's those different things. Did you set your tripod up ahead of time and mark it with magic marker or some kind of, you know, Sharpie? Do you know where to put it for a standing shot, a kneeling shot, a sitting shot? Do you know where that's going to be? And again, this comes into getting in the position and getting out of the position effectively. Left, you know, with the rifles and equipment is so good. A lot of these places, the wind is so light. You know what I mean? You can get those hits left to your own devices without much drama. It's the clock that puts the time crunch on you, and then it's getting in the position, building a stable position, and getting out. That's the difference maker. So as a match director, you want to be looking at those elements. What will slow a guy down? Running upstairs slows people down. You know, what is going to get them? Having them get inside a position that may not fit as well or may not have the ability to extend the tripod all the way. Having a limit on how low something can be for like, you know, instead of them shooting it off a bipod off their foot, just putting a thin, you know, uh, uh, caution tape up saying your rifle must be over the top of the caution tape. So that way there, you know, they're not going to be on a knee or going to be on a foot. This is this is going to represent your obstacle. Well, grasses, you know, didn't grow as high this year, but we still want to represent something in the way. Caution tape to go over the top. That's a, that's a simple fix. That way, you have to tell somebody you have to shoot the stage over the top of the caution tape. So that means you have to build a position. 
might be seated with a tripod, might be kneeling, might be whatever the case may be. You know, it, it eliminates them, hopefully, putting a bipod leg on their foot or shooting it from this, you know, off of a supported position down too low. You know, that's why they'll paint, like shoot off an edge of a piece of wood. They'll paint up about a foot. And, and then people will ask, you know, we're all there. We all see it and ask, well, does it have to be at the top? Can I be at the bottom? Can I put a bag underneath? Well, if you don't want them to put a bag there, limit that gear and say no bag. You can't use a bag under the rifle. And just make sure your ROs know that. I mean, the ROs are the biggest thing. They really should have put videos together. I mean, we talked about this at length, believe it or not. I, I brought this up with several of them. We talked about doing videos that demonstrate how to be a range officer, the process. So that way, if somebody signs up for your match, they could have went on to YouTube and looked at the video and said, this is the process to be a range officer. This is how you call it. Now, is that a substitute for somebody who might not be able to spot a six millimeter hitting a big plate at 1,250 yards? No, that, that's not going to solve that problem. But it's going to hopefully put people on a level playing field when it comes to their range officers. They'll, they'll do the same thing they saw in the video because they could watch that video over and over to make sure they're getting it right. Then whatever restrictions that stage has, that, well, that's up to the, the, the range officer or the match director to point that out for the individual. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be, it, it, the, the thing is, it, it, it has to be question and answer time. And once that's over, no, you can't do it. And, and unfortunately, you have to spell out gear restrictions because they will ask. And I know that. We've done this long enough. We realize. I mean, you, you, again, going back to the Carl Taylor matches, Colville, Washington, no gear restrictions, no stage restrictions, unless it's like you have to shoot between the barbed wire fence right here. How you do it, we don't care, but you have to be here. And that could be a safety concern. That could be to see through the loophole concern because we're shooting a lot of times through different uh, openings in the trees between fields. Each field has a small barrier of trees that might have a gap. If we put a target between the gap, we want to line you up as centered for that gap. So we may say, you're shooting between here, here you go. Now in that case, the answer for that match, for a lot of the obstacles, was a tripod. You had to get over the grass, and you had to get either over a hill and rise. We did a lot of defilade shots, so you got to get up over the rise so you can see below the defilade there, below the the, the hill or the horizon however you want to look at it or maybe you have to be high enough because there's a target behind that that cover and the things we talked about the loophole might have a target down lower you got to be up over it and then from there you can see the farther targets from prone well you got to carry everything you're doing about five miles a day and that will severely limit what someone carries when they can't just run over to their truck or run over to their car, grab a different bag and go, oh, this stage would use that bag I got at my car. Or, hey, I didn't put them in my bag, but I have uh, bipod extenders in my car, different bipod. This stage will work with them. Let me run back and get it. Hey, man, watch my gear. I'll be right back. And, and that's kind of what we're trying to eliminate is that something somebody bought that they may have but not have carried is 
available to them because they can run back to their car and get it. Okay, that's where you have to fix that kind of stuff. And, 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 and you know, again, it, it comes down to pre- personal preference. Reticles are personal preference. Everybody likes something different with a reticle. I'm not a fan of the heavy Christmas trees. I think it's too busy. I'd rather have a fine aiming point when I need to hold. I can hold because I do practice, but I still have that ability to see. I still always try to bring myself into the center third of the reticle. You know what I mean? I'll dial something in there to get me close and then hold. Understand what you're trying to do with your precision rifle. What solution are you looking for? What's the problem you're trying to solve? Okay. And where that equipment helps you and where that equipment hurts you. Uh, you know, again, lots and lots of discussions with with these guys. A, a lot of companies are coming out and wanting to look at reticles and things. And I get it. The biggest thing is reticles are like asking me your favorite color. Okay. They'll go, Frank, what reticle should I get? I get this every day. What reticle should I get? Reticle A or reticle B? I don't know. What color do you like? You know, I'm partial to this color, but blues and greens and blacks and blue. You know what I mean? What What's your favorite color? That that it, It's like asking me to pick the interior on your car, something you're going to be sitting in and looking at every day. The reticle is your point of interaction with the scope, okay? You're, you're, you're visually interacting with that reticle. It has to appeal to you. It has to solve the problems that are important to you. It's really, really important that you look at a reticle and you understand what the subtensions mean and what they're meant to do. And just saying Christmas tree isn't necessarily the answer because the thing is, if, it, if it's a thicker reticle, that might get in the way. And they do. They get in the way a lot. If you live in an area that is wet, is wooded, has a lot of contrast, variations, different things in there, you know, it's dark, shadow, light, this, that. Can you see what's going on through that reticle? You know, it's different from being up in elevation at 5,000 feet, sitting on a ridge line, looking down over in a valley four, 600 meters below you and dropping into dirt that hasn't seen rain in, you know, nine months. Versus one where you're sitting flat level and all that. The entire background is wooded in trees and grass. Where when you shoot that shot, you're looking for one leaf to move. Okay? Two different situations. And, and you can... you Trust me, we've done almost all of this with a plain old P3 mill dot. We used to do it every day. Moving chaos, the whole thing, moving chaos is mover comes out at 400 yards. You have to shoot the mover, and then we've done it two different ways where the 200-yard target was to your left. So mover comes out of the right side, comes across. you got to shoot it, then drop down to the 200 on the left, shoot that, then come back to the right to the 300, shoot that, then go up past the 300 to the 550, shoot that, and then come back and pick up the mover before it finishes. We've done that with a P3 reticle, completely successful within time because we practiced it. We, we, we trained everybody that way from the military that had P3 regular mill dot reticles. P3 is your standard mill dot. Um, you know, we, we've done it. 
we've seen it. It doesn't give you any disadvantage if you practice. Now, for the stages where they want you to hold and you want to default to a Christmas tree and hold over, good, you could do it. But in most cases, it's usually shorter distance, and they should understand that distance is supposed to give you time and opportunity to set up the shot for success. Okay, there, there, there really isn't that need for this super speed threat at a thousand yard target. You know, if that's the case in somebody, they'll just call an artillery on them or whatever. But, you know, it, it's supposed distance is supposed to give you time and opportunity. You're supposed to be able to take advantage of that. Now, inside 600, that's your danger space. And that's where most of these matches with the obstacles and barricades and things they're doing, they're between that 400 and 600 yard. That's a good thing to do. Also, like I said in one of the other ones, consider the two different size targets, a pro and an amateur, big target, little target. You know what I mean? Shoot the big, get somebody a confidence, then give them something small. And don't go... 2M away, 1M away, go 2M away three quarter or 2M away a half and see, make it really sporty because you gave them a hit. They got to feel good. Now they got to fine tune it and bring it down. You can actually go sub M away because you gave them a plus M away to start. Okay. And, and, it, and it helps mix up that. Okay. There's, there's a minute of man. There's an eyeball peeking around a corner. You know what I mean? There's a full deer standing out in the field. There's maybe seeing antlers through the woods. You know what I mean? It's it's a different. You're you're solving two different problems in one deal, and and that's kind of what my point is. That look at this through a critical eye. Look at this through a practical eye. I mean, we, you know, talking with scopes and stuff, it was funny. We, we, we had the Revic out there and we were talking about the Gunworks Revic. And, and, and the, the, the comment made on, because they, they were very impressed with the, 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 the execution of that scope. And one of the guys who's been around the block, who's been through a couple different places and, and knows this industry really well, said, that's because they're shooters. That's because they looked at it from a shooter standpoint and not from a what's the easiest way for us to build it standpoint. That's why you see such an elegant design in an electronic scope that can work without batteries like an old, a regular scope. You could take everything, all the electronics away, pull the battery. The scope functions 100%. Put your battery in, connect it to your phone, do your whole thing. And now it works to assist you with the HUD and with the ballistic software built into it. All you have to do is know the range, dial the range, hit your target, done. So it's solving two important problems for a precision rifle shooter. You know what I mean? It solves the problem of batteries. What if my stuff dies? What do I do? Well, it does everything like you've always done it. And then electronics in new technology and software and things like that to assist and help you. It helps you as long as you're smart enough to put a fresh battery in. And and we always used to say, man, you know, if the battery dies on your electronics, that's your fault. Now, there are things that can kill it, cold weather. There, there, there are different things like that, but you should have a backup. You should have a battery. One is none, right? 
we always carry two batteries and more than, you know, however many we knew for each day. So you always, that was part of your checklist. Do I have spare batteries? You know, so that's the kind of thing. Now, will you drop it? Will you break it? Could you do something that you didn't plan, slip on ice, fall down, crack it on a rock? Yes, you can. That's definitely something that comes in. And then what do you do from there is is up to you, the importance to you. You know, what do you do to fix that problem if you if you can or can't? And, and that might be where a holdover radical comes in. I saw a guy, this was pretty funny, when Schmidt and Bender, brand new, 5 to 25, it was, it was new. Day, it was the first day you shot a match. And we had a pipe stage at um, Rifles Only. And it was a heavy, thick steel, cut off with a torch, metal culvert pipe. And he rested his windage against the edge of the pipe. And when he had it pushed against it, and when he recoiled backwards, it sheared his windage knob off. Scope is still function, but his windage knob was cut the heck off. So what's the solution? That's the reticle. You know what I mean? That's where you're defaulting 100% to the reticle. But look at a reticle as an extension of you. It's your point of interaction. It's your point of communication between what you just did bullet and shooting wise and what you're going to do and what you have to. It's part of that WTF, wind trajectory fundamentals, right? <laughs> did you say, oh my God, Gary. So Gary's out. Got a, a, a company built, did a shirt, WTF, wind trajectory fundamentals. I, I, I'd have to look it up. It's on Instagram. They posted a picture of their, their new idea for a t-shirt called uh, WTF. Um, and, 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 and I found that pretty darn funny that, uh, you know, I, of course I am not going to get any dang credit for it, but, uh, it, it, it was quite comical to see somebody so blatantly just be like, Oh, that was kind of cool. What Frank just said on that whole thing. And you know, they're listening to the podcast guys, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it, it, it is what it is, but I, I, I do find it quite, quite funny that, um, that, that. You know, they'll do that and then not really give me any any kind of credit for it. But let's see. What does it say? Oh, it's carbon precision. I don't know who they are. It says, I heard it from some nobody in the industry. You mind if I sell these? Uh, <laughs> they'll ask after the fact. <laughs> do you mind? You know. <laughs> after the, it's always after the fact. Same thing with uh, Sniper's Hide is, is trademarked. I'm renewing it this year. And and there's you guys may have seen Sniper's Hide coffee. Sniper's Hide flavor. They're, they they never contacted me. And they never asked. Which I'm trademarked, but I like their videos. I think they're funny dudes. And it's like, "All right, man, you, 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 I trademark Sniper's Hide." You know, it, it it's it's it, I go through the process. I spent the money. I not only trademarked the logo and and how it looks, I trademarked the name Sniper's Hide. It has certain exceptions in there, but Still, you know, we talk about how small this industry and the things are like that. It, 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 it's, I just find it funny that they'll go and we're having like bag wars. Who stole whose design for a nylon bag? You know, that's my design. Well, that's mine. I was the first one to make that bag that way. I'm trademarking and patenting my bag design. And, and, and rear bags are a point of contention. Slings. Slings are a battle. Sling wars. 
You know, whose sling is better? This sling with bungee or this sling with uh, cobra buckles or this sling with a, a, a loop here or this sling with a grip. But then when you go through the process and trademark a company name like Sniper's Hide Company and dudes use it or take the WTF or whatever the, the whole thing is, it's like, all right, you know, everybody looks the other way. Oh, I like the coffee and the thing. Yeah, too bad they took Frank's stuff or well, whatever. But hey, man. If if I'm the 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 if I'm the generator for your great new idea, whatever, man, have at it. More power to you. I I I don't have the the time or the the deal to to go chase it down. I mean, honestly, I was looking at the trademark thing today. Do, do you know? Because the emails came today, like about doing the trademarks, and it's like, well, should I bother? Because it's been taken twice, and 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 nobody seems to care. You know, so do you do you even bother to, to re-up the trademark? And I did. I just said, yeah, what the, it's, it, I guess it's better to have it than to not have it. So that was my thinking on that deal. But anyway, think about these stages. Think about the different stuff that people are looking at. Be unique. Be, try to mix it up. Look at what the solutions, look at what your solutions would be. And try to say, if I got 20 stages in a match, you know, what's the solution for these five? What's the solution for these five? And what's the solution for the next, you know, 10? It, it, think about that. And if you find that it's too many times, the solution is this or this or that. Change something. Make one of them have a restriction. Make one of them do something else. You can easily change it and just say, restriction. You're not going to do this stage like you did that last one. That's it. That's all you have to do. And just say, be, be simple. The simpler the stage description is and then map out a, a gear restriction, the better off you're going to be. Don't go overly complex. Like I said before, if you don't want them, just say, nothing can touch red areas. Rifle must touch green areas. Gear restrictions in place for that. And just put a little bullet point at the bottom. Gear restrictions. N- n- you know, one bag no tripod, sling only, you know, that kind of stuff, whatever the case may be. But all you have to do, and then make the description. Shooter will move from five yards back, address the obstacle in the areas that are marked in green. Nothing can touch the areas marked red. Gear, and you must engage the targets from left to right. Gear restrictions. No bipod because you don't want them to put it on something. You know what I mean? No, 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 uh, no Uno bag, I don't know, whatever the case may be. Um, no tripod further back. You know, it could be a barricade stage and say no tripod. You know, make them shoot it with, with them as the support. And, and that's all. And then if you want to do it a second time, say pull the restrictions off and see what the difference is. It helps answer questions. It helps say when they did it with less, they did better than they did it with more. Yeah, these three people did it better, but the majority did it better with less. Now you're getting information that's actionable, and we could start putting this stuff up and go in less sections. Like I said, what stages do you like? What stages don't you like? Go over to Sniperside Forums. Go check it out. Post on what stage you like the best. You could put it up there, and, and, and now we have a, we're now building a personal database. If you're a match director, you can go and pull stages out, and you can go over to it and say... I need a new stage. I need something I ain't thought about. Oh, look, I didn't think about this, and I can do that. Now we have a resource that you can you can use, and that's what we're looking to do here on The Hide is we're looking to give you a resource you can use 
We're, we're posting that stuff up so that way it helps you out and gives you something actionable you can take back with you and make make your match better. That's that's what you know. If you're, I talked to somebody. I remember who it was, and and we were talking about ASC, uh, Allegheny Sniper Challenge, and we shot it from 2001 to 2007. I'm not going to go into the history of the whole thing, but there was there was drama in 27, uh, much like we see today, and it blew up crazy and all this other stuff. Well, talking to the guys who've been since, nothing has changed. It's the exact same match it's always been. And and don't get me wrong, it's a bucket list match. If you've never shot it, ASC is worthwhile to go shoot it once. Maybe go shoot it twice, even three times to help understand and learn and to improve. But when the match director never changes anything, well, at some point it becomes stale. And and that's all we're trying to avoid. We're trying to make things a little bit better for everybody, and we're, we're, we're trying to... Up the interest level. If you build a better mousetrap, they'll come. The unique nature of the match is what makes a match successful. Okay? It's not who shot it. It's how it was shot or why it was shot that way. It's the match director and his ability to put that into practice that makes it fun. Okay? But if you if you go there and I mean there's you know there's been matches I've been to I I haven't gone back because I didn't find it fun you know and there's other matches that we make it fun the the atmosphere's fun and you know but the stages are kind of like eh, so 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 maybe you go there just to see everybody and it's half hearted and all that so you know but you're picking and choosing that way and that helps you spend your money. You know what I mean? That's hell telling you, invest in this, don't invest in that. It's it's a buying decision, right? It's it's a way to say, I like these stages. I don't like this match because I did the same thing twice with a 10-second change. You know what I mean? I like this one because it gave me more bang for my buck. If I'm going to travel and get a rental car, airfare, hotel, well, you want it to be worthwhile, right? You want... It's, it's sports entertainment. You, you want that sporting aspect of it to improve and to test yourself. And then you want the entertainment value. Are you entertained? And, and so that's kind of what we're looking at. All right, guys. All right, man. Thanks a lot for listening. Hey, a couple quick update. I guess Mike has moved. Um, he was moving over the, the Labor Day weekend. So he should be moved in and, and we'll get him, let him get settled in a little bit. And um, then we'll try to pop over there and see him and get his, get his, uh, little segment set up we're, we're going to set his studio up for him but uh so um mike will be back and around uh, once he gets over this hurdle i think we'll see him a bit more and then once the weather changes too we'll be we'll be in and out with each other to um to do some some stuff together i know we still got things to talk about we got that 100 episode giveaway we're going to be doing um for those kind of keeping track the oss one of them came in i got a, a helix suppressor came in real nice um I got to get the break for it. They didn't send me a break, so I got to write uh, Chrissy Stat over there and those guys to get me the break because I can't mount it up without the break. But I got it right here. It's suppressed. It's suppressed. I'm very suppressed. That was me talking to a suppressor, um, just in case you're not sure. So anyway, um, so we'll be looking at that. I'm putting several off. Like I said, a lot of people are kind of coming out and, and wanting to jump on the hide when you look at the different stuff happening with the Facebooks and the groups and everything. The hide's back in gear. 
I'm not, I can't do anything till, for anybody until October. I apologize for the guys with the reviews and the different stuff. I'm, I'm completely jammed up till then. And so I'm going to try to finish knocking out in between the travels, some of these ones and going to try to do at least the one a week and, and get it done for you. Um, and, and make sure I'm all good there. So anyway, Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for sharing. Thank you for being part of the Everyday Sniper podcast. And thanks for coming over to Sniper's Hide and visiting and talking about all this. The, these conversations are going really good. And and honestly, they're, they're, they're other than the guys coming in who who aren't happy with what they hear, and, and mainly because it's it's kind of poking fun back at them. Uh, you know, we, we've had some really what I think are constructive discussions Oh, man, stuff is moving. That thing just came off the desk. Man, a ghost got me. I don't know how that happened, man. There was nothing there, and it just came and got me. Anyway, um, uh, so <laughs> eh, there you go. But no, there's been some really constructive conversations going on on the hide, and, and I appreciate that. You know, we're, we're keeping the trolls down to a minimum. We're booting the fools, and, um, you know, we're, we're in the growth mode, and, and, and that's, that's a cool thing. Cause it, it's 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 our own little deal. We make it what it is, and we're not dependent on the other guys. We're not dependent on the Facebooks, the Googles, the YouTubes, and so and so. We're making it what we want it to be, versus having to work in someone else's pond. All right, man. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing, and I will talk to you soon.